Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise from today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guests by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. At Content Allies, we turn you and your organization into industry thought leaders. We interview you and your leadership team, and then turn those interviews into articles, white papers, videos, podcasts, and social content. Learn more and say hello at contentallies.com. All right. Thank you for coming on the show here, Justin. Super excited to have you here today. Uh, and for anyone in the audience who uh, doesn't know who you are or what Master Computing is, can you give us the quick, say, uh, 30 to 60 second overview of just your business today? Yeah, I mean, what we do, our business exists to keep your business alive because uh, we fight cybercrime day in and day out. You get hit with something and, and businesses just aren't coming back from it. So that is, you know, we're an IT company. We do all of the crawl under your desk, hookup printers, whatever else. But really what we do is keep you from getting hit with ransomware. All right. And that's um, super interesting just because I know that this is, I mean, the IT services space, I think, has it's been around for a while, but I think the cybersecurity side of things has just been uh, rapidly growing. But I'm curious, I mean, how how is, you know, being in, I guess, the IT services space, how has that evolved over the past several years? Uh, you know, that's a great question, because uh, when I started the company back in 1997, originally, we were nothing more than a repair shop. Uh, you know, bring your computer into us, we'll crack the case, we're going to put in a new video card back in the days when that was really even a thing, sound cards, modems, you know, that's what we did day in and day out. And uh, it, it was fine. It was great. That was my plan. It, it evolved naturally in a lot of ways, but the real pivotal moment was it, not quite 10 years ago, we had a client get hit with ransomware. And we were aware of ransomware. We were taking preventive measures. We thought, you know, industry, industry standards, best practices, we were following them. Um, but this is really when it hit my radar hard is when we had a client locked up and it took us three weeks to get them back up and functional. And as you might imagine, nobody liked anybody by the time we were done with that process. The client is no longer a client. Um, they hate us. We hate them. Really, the bad guy is the, you know, the crime ring in Russia, literally, that caused the problem. But it was nightmarish for everybody involved. So uh, we, we pivoted. I, I swore in that moment that this was never again going to happen on my watch, at least not due to inattention. So I'm curious because I think a lot of people hear terms like this of like ransomware, cybersecurity, and everyone's just kind of like, bah, that's not going to happen to me. And like, I don't even think like a lot of people really understand like what that means or what happens. And I mean, I bet I'm, I'm seeing this more like even like it was like a large insurance company that I was dealing with uh, recently when I was buying insurance and uh, my email started bouncing to them. And then suddenly I got like a call from them basically saying that they had been like, they're hacked. And I'm like, this is like a massive company. And, and so I'm curious to understand maybe like what, what is like cybersecurity look like, or what are these attacks actually look like in today's day and age? Um, man. And, and how many hours do we have? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, let me start with very simply what it is. It's extortion. It's some way of instilling fear into you and requiring payment to remove the fear. They, they'll lock up your files on your computer so that you can't access them. You know, you'll turn your computer on and all you see is a screen that says, hey, we got you. 
and here's where you send me money if you want to ever see your, your information back. Well, easy enough, we run data backups. And that's what we had in place with this client. So I'm like, yeah, no problem. We'll restore from backup. And I, that's a longer story than I'm going to get into now, but even the backups were corrupted. So they, they evolve, they get smarter and smarter. And where it is right now, they are very quiet. They come onto your system. You don't know they're there. They watch everything you do. They gather your bank account information. They gather your passwords. They, they know who you are, who you send information to, who you send emails to, and then they become you. And they will find a way to, like I said, it, it's fear, it's locking up accounts, it's locking up data, threatening, finding private information on your computer. For example, bank account numbers of clients, credit card information, um, any kind of corporate data. And, and they take that, first of all, and they'll give you a sample so that you know that they have it. And they say, if you want it back, there's a fee. And by the way, if you've got backups, no worries. We'll just take this and we'll go sell it on the dark web or we'll send it to the five o'clock news. Um, but they will find a way to, it, it's extortion. They're going to find a way to get money out of you. That's, that's incredible. And it's just such an interesting thing, I think, for like the fear for so long with people was, oh, I'm going to get a virus and it'll corrupt right. my computer. And like, then my computer won't work. And it's like, ah. But I think what is actually happening, like you said, like there's actually like, it's, you know, computers gathering all this stuff um, by like somehow getting that software installed on your computer. But then there's actual humans on the other side at some point saying, all right, let's pull the trigger and like attack this company is kind of what's happening. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, backing up to the virus that was an annoyance, but it wasn't really a big deal. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, we got to wipe your computer, reload it, reinstall, no problem. Yes, there's automation. We call them bots that sit and watch and gather data. But then on the other end, the human component of it, that this is the part that's the most fascinating to me anyways. And that is in these other countries because it's illegal here. But in, in countries like Russia, uh, that's, that's one of the primary ones. There's several where these people hide out. But they have, like, these are people working eight to five jobs. These are established businesses that they operate on about a 20% profit margin. I found that fascinating. Um, the employees have health benefits. They take lunch hours. You can actually watch the attacks dip over lunch hours. You know, in their minds, it's a legitimate job. It's a legitimate business. Not all of them understand what they're doing. Sometimes they go to work and they think that they're marketing specialists, but they're gathering, you know, intelligence that's then used on these attacks. But it, it's crazy. It's a very sophisticated, very evolved industry. And I have to say that, you know, we, we think of it just as crime, but it's a way of life for these people. Yeah, that's fascinating uh, to hear. And so I'm, I'm curious, like with your business, like how much of your business is at this point, like, you know, your general IT services mixed with like the cybersecurity and are people coming to you typically because they've been attacked or like, how, how does that fit in? Because like, I, I feel like that's an odd thing from a, a business standpoint where even myself being like quite a techie person, like I don't think until you've just shared this to me, like I understood the full depth of what this all means. And so how do you cope with that as a business owner where so it's like almost like you're like someone back in like early March shouting like, hey, COVID's coming and everyone's like, ah, shut up. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was like, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you cope with that? Um, I mean, you're asking some awesome questions, by the way. I'll tell you, it's almost like you have experience doing this. 
the the way I cope with it, it's the most frustrating part of my job. Hands down, the most frustrating part of my job is that my primary service deliverable is not what people go out looking for. I literally deliver the the ability for people to stay in business, and that is not why they call us. If you look at my website right now, it'll talk about cybersecurity, um, but you scroll down just a little bit, and I've got a gauge that shows live data of how fast we can respond. That's mm -hmm. what they want to see. I've got a computer problem. How fast can you get here? I took a call. In fact, I was worried that I was going to miss this appointment with you because the phone rang five minutes before we were scheduled to get on this call, and it was a law firm, small law firm. The attorney opened his computer, and the screen wouldn't come on. You know, that's why people call us. And the question is, how fast can you get here? This guy's billing by the hour. Uh, I said, no problem, ma'am. I can roll a truck in five minutes. And we did. So we focus. We work really hard to have that deliverable that people are looking for, which is fast response times, mm -hmm. uh, strategy, planning, that kind of thing. That's what they come to us looking for. But in the end, what we sell them is peace of mind. We sell them the ability to sleep at night. First, we have to scare the hell out of them uh, so that they understand the reality of it. And then we we solve that problem for them ultimately. So uh, how we go about it, I have a podcast called Stupid or Irresponsible. There's, there's a story there. Uh, it's kind of a long story, so I won't get into the details of it. It comes from a marketing campaign. And the headline of it is just when you get hit, when you get attacked, are they going to call you stupid or just irresponsible? And the gist of it is we, any other victim of crime is people rally around them. They support them. They're a victim, poor you, uh, except for cybercrime. The victims of cybercrimes are the, are the ones that are getting prosecuted. If you get hit with a ransomware attack, not only do you have the pain of the devastation, uh, but you also get to answer to the government. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's crazy. And so we have this whole podcast where we dig into that and we talk about the stupid things people do, the irresponsible things people do. And then we we just build content out of that um, so that we, you know, it's it's on our site with show notes and we take little clips of it and put it out on social media. Um, you know, so that's kind of how we raise awareness around cybersecurity. But even with all of that, our phone doesn't ring because people say, hey, you know, I was thinking last night I should probably protect my computers better. Mm -hmm. I don't get that phone call. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, the number one threat to small business is cybercrime and nobody's calling us because of that. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to shift over the coming years or you think it's going to be whenever someone, only when more people get hit or more people get attacked or... or I mean, people buy burglar alarms after they've been robbed. Yeah. I mean, that that's just the bottom line. So the, the only thing that's going to shift is that it's becoming more of a regulation issue. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got PCI compliance, which is about credit cards. We've got HIPAA compliance, which is about, you know, patient data. Um, the newest one is CMMC, which is for people who do business with the Department of Defense. They have to follow certain regulations. In the end, it's, it's cybersecurity. All of these are different names for basically the same thing with a little bit different spin on it. So what's changing is the government's mandating it. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, uh, and I think it's probably the only way to kind of drive it. Otherwise, people will just not take action, like you said, until they right. until they get hit and everything. And um, as we've seen with some of like the massive um, breaches, even within the government or large companies, like when a company gets hit, it's not just you as a business owner, it's all of your entire client base is at risk, too. 
Absolutely. You've got the, yeah, you, you, number one, you're good chance you're going out of business if depending on how devastating the attack is. So now you've got um, what you mentioned, the risk that you're putting your clients at into, and then you've got employees that now don't have jobs, or at least, you know, maybe their information was stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, the damage is deep. Yeah. And so I'm curious whenever say like you're a new business owner comes to you and they're um, saying like, Hey, I need an IT services company. We need better response time. Are you then taking them in your sales process of being like, Oh, and Hey, you need to pay attention. Like, are you educating them on cybersecurity at that point to like share the importance? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's, I mentioned our podcast and we, we do all kinds of things with it. Um, We, as soon as somebody becomes, well, really is on our radar for any reason, whether they buy a, you know, my computer doesn't turn on this morning or, or for whatever reason they get into our system, we immediately start sending them weekly cybersecurity tips, which include those show notes from the podcast. It includes, you know, obviously the tips. This, here's something that you can do to protect yourself. Um, but we do. We begin that process of education because that's largely what my job at the company is, is awareness. Okay. Makes sense. And and so I'm curious, like with your journey, I know you said you you started off as kind of, you know, just an early kind of computer repair shop and everything, but maybe I'm curious more on like the journey of your business. I and mean, you guys have been around for 23 years. Um, and so quite a bit of time, but like, what does that journey look like? And maybe how else has that kind of evolved? Like what happened from the you know, computer shop to the IT to where you guys are now, whether maybe evolutions or influx of change happened throughout that? You know, it, it's the pretty common, typical boring story that is business, which is you start, you have an idea and you rock it straight to success, right? Isn't that the story that you get every time you interview somebody? <laughs> uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, started as a little computer shop in Reno, Nevada, actually. Uh, within a short period of time, we ended up in Northern California with a second office because there was a bigger demand there. Uh, we were doing, we were doing really well. The growth was easy back then. Finding new customers was easy. We could send out a newsletter and get a new client. Like it was, it was simple math. By the way, that's not the same today for a lot of reasons, but you know, we were, we were doing really well and growing really quickly until September 11th when, when those towers came down and a lot of our, our work at the time was with school districts and city offices in California. And California's economy was one of the first to crumble and it became very political. We, there was money earmarked for technology, but when, when you've got teachers who are losing their benefits, they're losing their assistance, uh, teachers, aides, whatever you want to call them, paraprofessionals or whatever the term is. And I, I apologize because I should know that my wife's a teacher. Um, but when when people are losing jobs, when they're losing benefits and master computing's showing up with invoices for tens of thousands of dollars, they get emotional, if you can imagine. And I was I was really young at the time, uh, very emotionally immature. And so when they started coming after me, launching emotional attacks, uh, you know, keeping the details out of it. It really was more just immaturity on my part. I walked away. I, I, I couldn't handle it. And so I went into aviation of all things after 9-11. My great brilliant plan was to become an airline pilot. So right. I went to flight school. Uh, meanwhile, I was building an automated reminder call service kind of as a side gig, which was a blast because I love to write programs. 
uh, never really went anywhere. I had a few customers, um, but I stayed in the technology world as I went to flight school in Florida and then uh, ended up back in Northern California after flight school flying air ambulance, fixed wing air ambulance, which was a blast, but the money wasn't really there. And, you know, bringing this long story back to the, the IT journey, um, I, I just said, uh, that's where my heart is and ended up starting the company back up in 2010. So just 10 years ago, got back into this full time. But there again, the idea was it evolved from break fix, which is what we call the phone rings, something broke, I'm going to run out and fix it, right? The break fix model into more of a proactive preventive maintenance. That's how I started it the second time around with that idea. But again, cybersecurity was not on my radar. Not really, not more than just, you know, we have to have good antivirus in, in place. And, and so from there, growing was much more difficult at this time. In 2010, there was more competition. You can throw a rock and find an IT company. Uh, you know, there's just, I couldn't send out a newsletter and get a customer anymore. So I, I joined a community that's all about how to market IT, which it's crazy how difficult that is. And then, like I said, I, we had a client get hit almost not quite a decade ago, but early in our, in our journey. And that was, that was the moment where the, the pivot happened and continues. So that, that launched us into a never ending evolution of fighting cybercrime because it's the game changes daily. Yeah. In fact, on my way in this morning, I saw a headline of a major cybersecurity firm getting hit. Yeesh. Yeah. And, and you, you asked and it kind of off topic, but you, uh, you brought up a point earlier um, and you said something, what I wrote down was it never happens to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember now <laughs> what you said that triggered that thought, but um, I wanted to make the point that there are two people that are at greatest risk. And I have to make this point because we go with, if a large firm can get hit, especially a cybersecurity firm, what hope do I have? with my limited resource as a small business, what hope do I have? And so then we go to the denial, the head in the sand, but the, the two targets, the primary targets are the low hanging fruit, the head in the sand, the, this isn't really important to me and very highly sophisticated attacks like the one that I'm talking about with the cybersecurity firm that was probably hit from a, it was probably a, a state funded attack. At least that's their assumption right now is that this was, this was another government trying to bring them down. So um, we do have hope and, and that is really the, the heart of my message is there's so much we can do. 97% um, of these attacks are preventable. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. And, and that cybersecurity firm, they're probably doing everything right, probably, but there's complacency, so maybe not. But anyways, uh, yeah, that that's the message, though. And, and this is not what you asked. You're talking about the journey, the evolution, but it's it's where we've ended up is having to just constantly hammer this message that it looks bleak. It looks hopeful if you're paying attention and hopefully you are. But the hope is, you know, following the rules, following this, the protocols and 97 percent of the attacks that we hear about could have been prevented relatively easily. Yeah, from what I what I've understand on like the cyberspace is that it's a mixture of you know there there's technical things, simple technical systems you can put in place, but then there's always also the psychology and just the fact that at the end oh, of yeah. the day it's the humans 
And it's the person like I, you know, I run my websites on Squarespace and I get these emails that are fake Squarespace invoices asking me to update my billing. And it's the simple thing of being like conscious enough to like know to, okay, let's check the sender of this email and stuff like this. And I think it's those the psychological things that are the interesting ones that um, become like, I guess, the, the more scary thing, I think, for a lot of small businesses in the sense it's like you can put in the basic technical things these password protectors, two-factor authentications, like the low-hanging fruit. And then it's just, um, I think, the training. And it seems like you guys do some of the training around that as well. Is that right? We do. Um, and, and it's frustrating because you're, again, making a great point. The, uh, the saying that comes to mind is, if you make it idiot-proof, they will build a better idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't like saying that because we don't, you know, my clients, I have high, high respect for them. People are busy. And, mm-hmm. and the bottom line is when you get to work in the morning, it's because you have a job to do. You've got deadlines. You've got people breathing down your back. You, you've got pressure to get stuff done. And you don't sit there and think, hey, I wonder who's going to attack me and how and what I should do to prevent it. Mm-hmm. That's on nobody's mind. And, and you're right. It's, it's the human component. We can put so many technology protections in place and all it takes is one mouse stroke, one click, and it'll undo everything we put into place. The, the attack from the, on the cybersecurity firm that I mentioned was so highly sophisticated. They study, they research, they, they whatever. And they, in the end, they catch a human off guard. Almost always that's how they're getting in. And so, yeah, a big part. When I say most of my job at the company is awareness, it's awareness in the marketing world. And it's, you know, obviously focused on awareness with our own client base. We have to, we're, we're yeah. constantly beating that drum and they don't like to hear it, <laughs> but that's, that's the drum we have to beat day in and day out. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and one of the other points I want to go back to that you hit on earlier, that's kind of more on the, the marketing. So I know it's IT services. Um, it's in this world that's very commoditized. It's, there's a lot of competition, um, hard to acquire customers. And so I'm curious to know what is working for you these days in terms of acquiring customers. Um, you know, as, you know, IT services company? Money and process and time. Uh, you know, the, the flywheel theory, right? You, um, I think it's in good to great that I first read about the, and I might be quoting that wrong, but anyways, you, you, you've got that great big flywheel that's thousands of pounds and everybody gets on and starts pushing and it barely moves. But over time, you get that thing spinning um, and it starts generating results and then it, then it rolls. But marketing in this industry, it's tough. It's cutthroat. The margins are not what any of us want them to be. Uh, competition is stiff. But what works is process. It's the same thing that works in delivering our service. It is just detail to attention, building a process, sticking to it. Like, And I mean, I've, I've had to become, can we swear on your show? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. So, I've, I mean, I've had to become an asshole with with my clients, with my employees in that, you know, to market, we have to send out X number of direct mail pieces, X number of social media posts every single week. And if it's Thanksgiving week, well, then you better do twice as many the week before. We got Christmas coming up. You better do twice as many the week before that. But that is for what I've found the the secret, the, you know, whatever, if, if it's a secret, it's execution and it's systemized and you work it and then you look at the results and 
if it's not working, you make a change and you try again. And when you find stuff that works, then you just kind of tweak and fine tune to try to eke a little bit better performance out of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting because it's, you know, if you have like a blue sky offer, you're a software product that has, you know, some new thing, then it's, it's totally a different game to market because right. uh, you're not commoditized during that blue sky realm. But for something like IT where you're very commoditized, it becomes just like it is the traditional just marketing, putting it out there, just doing a lot of those traditional marketing activities. And there's no quick hack or quick way to get new customers um, in that kind of sense for, for this type of business from what I've seen around it. No, you're right. And, and it's, you know, X number of letters per week. We're sending them to the same people. We have a list of, you know, it's it's 1,000, 1,500 and they just get the same letter every three months and they get a newsletter and they get emails and they, you know, and it's, it's just repeating that message over and over and over so that when they have a problem or when they come to their senses and realize that, you know, let's take this serious before we have a problem, we're the ones that they think of. Yeah. I love That's that. And, and so I'm curious for you, like, what is the, the kind of the, the goal or vision for this business for you um, to kind of, going forward, you know, is this something where it's stable lifestyle? Like what's your kind of vision or where you wanted to take this? Oh, I'd, I'd never be happy in a lifestyle. It's why I, why I run <laughs> a business in the first place. When I was in aviation, there was a, a key moment where my boss said, when I was flying the air ambulance, he turned down a customer uh, because they, they had contracts with hospitals and whatever. And, and he said, I don't need them. I don't need the money. And, and I wanted to wring his neck. I'm like, well, I'll take a pay raise, you know, I, I want the money. And, and it drove me crazy that I didn't have control over my future, my growth, my, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not really about the money, but for me personally, what drives me is this outrageous vision of being a nationwide firm, uh, you know, with a presence in every metro in the country. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the vision. So where we land, again, isn't really even what's important. But having that vision of, of wanting to build systems that I can repeat and stamp out once we get it working here in the Dallas area to where I'm super happy with it, then the very next step is to move to Austin and San Antonio and Houston and, you know, and, and just continue to stamp out whatever we figure out that works here in other metros. So that that's kind of the vision. Nice. I love that. That's awesome. And just gives you something to always keep working toward and right. keep growing. I love it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Awesome. Um, well, for any other um, say entrepreneurs who are on their journey earlier on in their in their path, you know, what advice would you have for someone else who's you know building a business on their on their growth trajectory at this point? Consistency, hundred percent. Get you know, and and uh, I've dealt with a lot of. We all have dealt with some form of tragedy this year, right? With COVID and and whatever. And I mentioned as we were getting ready that I I lost my son earlier this year, and and so that combined with the head trash that business owners already deal with. Um, it's a lonely world as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. We don't have, you know, we, we can't have those relationships with our employees that maybe we crave or wish we could or whatever. So, you know, all of this stuff just kind of combined to where I couldn't execute. And so what I ended up having to do is just build myself a checklist that, you know, where I can't act on everything that's on my calendar because it's overwhelming to me. I pick up my checklist and I just take one thing that I've got the energy and the capacity to do and I do it. And then hopefully that victory, celebrating that small win of doing something when I didn't want to do it, 
will drive me to now I want to do another one. I want another victory. And so whatever game you have to play with yourself, that's my game. And that, that game won't work for everybody, but absolutely. My, my advice is consistency, find what works or help find what doesn't work. I don't care, but find an activity, find an action, find a game plan and execute on it and be relentless about it. But do not let yourself get distracted by the next shiny penny because that's what kills us every time. Nice. I love that. That is phenomenal advice. And uh, I am uh, one who's prone to shiny objects. um, And I've had to learn over the years to just, sometimes you just got to show up and do the work. And that's that's the important thing. So I've heard it said that a lot of business owners are are ADD, ADHD, uh, whatever, you know, stereotype. (laughs) uh, I don't know, true or not. I don't know. But it it's so easy to just, you know, we we're passionate about something. And so it's really easy to become passionate about something else. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, Justin, if anyone wants to come on, learn more about Master Computing or about you, where can they go to find you online? Mastercomputing.com. Uh, you can look up our podcast anywhere. Alexa, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever, but stupid or irresponsible is the podcast. Yeah, those are those are the two primary places I'd send people. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on here. I appreciate you taking the time, Justin. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Jake. It's been great. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find links and show notes from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.